This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And I'm Seth Haynes. Seth, what are you drinking? Well, I am drinking what I like to call proletariat coffee. It's mm. You know what that is, right? The people's coffee. It's the people's coffee. Yeah, it's the people's coffee. It's not fancy. Yeah. It's just... Man, it's just the coffee mm-hmm. out of the Keurig machine, you know, and it's awful. Um, but it's all I had today. From your office? Yeah, yeah. So I'm working at the office today, yeah. which means I am stuck with donut shop coffee. It's just <laughs> right. truly terrible. So mm-hmm. to all you out here listening uh, on a, to a drink with a friend with your own drinks, I hope everyone brings a drink to this because it feels like they should. Mm-hmm. Um, to all point. of you who yeah. are drinking terrible uh coffee from you know, donut shop keurig coffee i'm with you man we're together today we are together so tish what are you drinking i hope it's better i think it might be better i haven't sipped it yet um it is kind of in honor of this topic that we're talking about today but also not at all it is white wine which i am not a big i mean i like wine when it's in front of me but i'm not i don't seek it out um, so I thought it'd be fun to open some wine at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday. Mm. However, the reason it's not exactly right, it's kind of proletariat, is because it's from a can. <laughs> and Canned it's from wine. California. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's and I was it's American ahead. canned wine. And I was even looking for the type of wine, and it just says blanc. Blanc. So it's just white. Which is a French so, word. So it's right. French named American wine from a can. Yeah, Modesto, California. We're so this like, is not fancy. Yeah, we're we're really stretching to connect it to the topic. <laughs> we are. I I have bottles of wine. I just didn't want to open one. I mean, I don't know. It's too much work. Really? Are you going to just? It's I mean, too much work. One o'clock on a Wednesday. You're going to drink a whole bottle of wine. I'm home by myself. Yeah, there's it's not a thing. So I'm drinking a can of wine that's been in my fridge for quite a while. Okay, so. here's to your canned wine. Exactly. And we'll see if it's any good. I haven't had it yet. It's possible. Yeah, it'll work. It's passable? <laughs> I don't hate I don't hate it. I don't so hate the, it. it okay. You know what it tastes like? It tastes like airplane wine. That's a ringing endorsement. It tastes like there airplane airplane wine that is passable, passable and wine. I don't hate it. <laughs> Okay. They'll right. put me on their website, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they will. Your Blanc, face on the side of the can. Blanc California wine. All right. Well, so let's talk about the thing we're going to talk about, which is related to wine, but nowhere near Blanc wine from California. I mean, is it related um, to wine? It's kind of related to wine the way it's also related to painting. Yeah. It's actually more related to painting. Yeah, I, I would I would argue it. it's more related to painting too. I would argue yeah. it's potentially even more uh related to sculpt sculpture. <laughs> would you agree with that? Why? Cuz there's just a lot of, there's a lot of what we're going to talk about today involves a lot uh, of statues. It does, I guess. Yeah, and paintings. And paintings. You know, Frescos. we should probably stop burying the lead. People are going to be turning it off right now. I just love um, it so Seth, much. So, why don't you um reveal what's behind the curtain and what we're talking about if you were to pull aside the curtain behind it you would see seth and tish staring at a fresco of a saint on a wall somewhere in the heart of italy yep 
because next summer, 2022, we are leading a trip to Italy and we want you guys to go. So anyone listening, you're invited. That's going to be are invited so fun. To go. Can you imagine going to Italy with us? <laughs> I mean, I actually... How lucky you are. <laughs> I mean, I actually can't imagine it because I have been to Italy with us. Yep. With us. And it was I a know, good time. With us, meaning several us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's a great segue because I was going to ask you before we get into like our you know, order of events, let's take a walk down memory lane perhaps and talk about what... Italy has meant to you um, since we last went there, which has been a while. Yeah. So what year was that? I don't even remember. Was that? 2014. 14. That's Golly, how long that's it was. Seven years ago. That's pre-pandemic. That's like a whole nother lifetime ago. Oh, by a long shot. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so in 2014, you and Kyle and Amber and I went to Italy with a group of writers and some amazing writers were on that trip. Um, our friend uh, Nish was on that trip. Our friend Adriel was on that uh, trip. I mean, just beautiful, wonderful human beings. Um, and we had a really, really good time. But I remember we stayed in this little uh, village uh, on the outskirts of really nowhere. I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the, yeah, it was the suburbs just of outside of nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> Um, but it was beautiful. I remember, um, you know, we could stand on the back, uh, sort of patio and look out over the, the hills of Tuscany. And, you know, one of the things that really struck me about Tuscany and, and I continue to be wowed by my photographs from Tuscany is that every scene, um, either in the morning or in the evening, you know, at golden hour, um, looks like a painting. It doesn't look real. Mm -hmm. And when you take photographs of it, they look absolutely digitized like like or like a painting like they don't look like actual photographs and you look at that and you're like that's a photograph but it looks like a painting um it's mm-hmm. just such an exquisite place it was such an exquisite place to visit and um i come back over and over again to uh italy as sort of a place where where the my you know my awakening for beauty had already happened but because of that like you can just look around at everything and see beauty it is everywhere i mean some of my favorite photographs to this day were taken in italy just of people sitting on a bench or people walking down the street or this or the the statues that you would see in the middle of a town square i mean it is beauty 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 everywhere and that beauty um, actually informs all the the truth and goodness. I remember the first uh, day we were there, the first full day we were there, we stopped in Florence. And we went to the Duomo the next uh, morning. And we walked in and it's, you know, it's kind of a tourist trap. I'm not going to lie. I mean, most of the churches there are sort of tourist traps, which was a little bit unfortunate, I guess. But they have, you know, like in any great cathedral or any great Duomo in Italy, they have these little side chapels. And one of the side chapels, I kind of just like squirreled over there and and sat down. And I can't remember. I think I was by myself, but somebody else may have gone. And I happened upon a mass that was being said in English by an English priest. And I remember just being immersed in the liturgy in the middle of just astounding what felt like timeless beauty and just really feeling like, oh yeah, this whole thing is real. 
Like this whole God thing, like it's real. This whole Christianity thing, it's it's real. It feels real. And I think that was the first time that I 100% appreciated uh, Francis Spufford's argument in his book, Unapologetic, where he talks about the emotional apologetics of faith hmm. and the emotional apologetics of Christianity. I mean, it was the first time where I could actually feel the truth, beauty, and goodness working together in one place in the liturgy. And that moment has stuck with me really, you know, now going on seven years later, over seven years later. Yeah. It to me is the first place I really felt like God was just showing off in a way Yeah, <laughs> when it comes to the beauty of it all. Like it, it feels unreal for that much beauty to be in such a small, relatively small square footage of space when you look at it on the map. Because yeah. we're talking about Tuscany here, which is just a region of Italy. And I'm sure all of Italy is beautiful, but this is what we know. And, you know, there's this idea of the via pulchritudinis, uh, which is Latin for the way of beauty. And I think that's what you're really speaking to because you and I have talked about this before and is really the ethos of this podcast that we have these transcendentals and so much of our lives growing up in the eighties and nineties and youth group culture and probably just American worldview. If we were to subscribe to transcendentals, we would argue truth leads to goodness, which leads to beauty. And to me, being in Tuscany is the epitome of the idea of beauty leading to goodness, which leads to truth. And for me personally, this is how God has led me and Kyle and our whole family to a deeper um, relationship with the church and with Christ. And it was through a seizing of beauty. And I can see how Tuscany was used as a huge part of this. And because we're talking about both the traditional definition of art, you know, paintings. I mean, we're talking the Sistine Chapel. Mm -hmm. We're talking uh, the David. Mm -hmm. We're talking about uh, pretty much if you can think of some of the most jaw-dropping historically famous art, there's a good chance it's in this area. But we're also talking about an artful way to live. And I think that's what you were speaking of when you were talking about us looking over the back deck of where we were staying, that the land seems to be carved in an artful way by the farmers. Um, It almost seemed like a touristy joke. But the first morning waking up in Florence... We woke up, Kyle and I woke up to an opera singer practicing uh, in the courtyard, in the courtyard of Florence. And so we looked at each other and it's like, this is not real. It sounds, it sounds fake, like contrived. And then the other thing I remember is your wife, Amber, it made me laugh because I don't know if you remember the food we had at this place where we were staying was just ridiculous. Yes, Um, We would get this little basket of breakfast goods and there were little jars of yogurt and even the jars were beautiful and she said if you this is probably like day three or so you know it feels a little ridiculous to be eating ice cream for breakfast Mm -hmm. but you know we're on vacation and i don't remember if it was me or nish or maybe it was you had to tell her this isn't ice cream yeah this is yogurt yep yeah (laughs) that's how ridiculous the yogurt was yeah and so to me the food is art the scenery is art. The landscaping is art. The shadows on the land are art. Um, the color is art. It's it's weirdly hard to take good photographs. I agree with you that some of my favorite photos that we've taken are in Italy, but it's also hard because of the coloring and the shadow. Yeah. 
and the way it casts, you can't capture it quite as well as you want to because it's so otherworldly beautiful while you're standing there. Yeah. I mean, you, you, there are only certain times of the day where you can actually capture it in a way in which it looks real. And that's the crazy part about it is, is that it's so surreal that it, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, when you look at it in a photograph, you're like, well, okay, how did you manipulate those colors? And how did you, you know, you know, whatever, like bend the light and how did you make those shadows? I mean, it, it's so bizarre how velvety uh, the grass looks in the evening and, and, um, it, you know, it just, again, like you said, like everything about it is just amazingly, amazingly beautiful. And so for us, when we lead this trip next summer, the idea, at least what I have, and I'm pretty sure you have, is that we want to take people on a pilgrimage to experience the beauty as similarly as possible to what we got to experience, even if it's not the exact same type of trip. We want one of my favorite things on earth, and I've learned this through my years of trip leading, is to take people to meaningful places to have meaningful conversations because you remember those conversations and they, they seem to dig into our skin a little bit deeper whenever we have them somewhere sacred. And I don't necessarily mean sacred like a chapel, though that does happen. I mean sacred like, you know, a particular patch of dirt by a river can be sacred. Yeah. And that's what we hope to do next summer, no matter how, how big this trip ends up being, because we're not really sure. We're, we're going with a group that handles all the details. And so far, the group has been delightful. And I'm very grateful to have this. But you and I are there and your wife to be a presence of basically pointing out the sacramentality of what's really there and inviting others to come alongside us. We're going as fellow pilgrims, not as experts and not as anything more than just pointer outers of the beauty. Yeah. And I think that's important too. I think, you know, the more I think about uh, life and I guess the older I get, maybe the more I see life as a pilgrimage, you know, like it is. Mm -hmm truly a journey. Uh, it's a journey of experiencing uh, the beauty and the wonder of the world. You know, I, I think I shared about this last week, but I, I don't know, maybe it was just to you, but I uh, I read, I, I love to read Ignatius and he has this um, contemplation on the int- attainment of love. And in the contemplation, he talks about, you know, seeing uh, all things that come from God as a gift from the lover, like as a proof of love. And I think when we're on this pilgrimage, like when we look at the beauty of the earth, the way it's been carved out, when we eat the yogurt that was probably made within 25 kilometers of where we were staying, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, When we eat the cheese, when we visited, you remember when we visited that little farm and and it was just this little agritourism place where they uh, made all the cheeses and all the food and they grew everything locally and the hospitality was off the charts when you experience even the rustic beauty, you know, you, you begin to see like this pilgrimage really is worth it. Like the pilgrimage of life is really worth it. And um, if there's one thing that, you know, I know Amber and I don't want to do, it's we don't want to miss the pilgrimage of beauty that we're on and we want to experience it as much as we can. And I know that you're really skilled and experienced in leading that. So my question to you is, tell me a little bit about what it looks like to go on a trip with you. Well, you know, I I 
have gone to a number of touristy places. And when you go to touristy places, you always see those groups, right? You see the groups where the tour guide is holding up a little flag that looks like it belongs on the back of a bike from the 80s. I don't know what you call those. Um, Perhaps the people are wearing matching shirts. And it's a very we're walking, we're walking kind of experience (laughs) through, through the major sites. And while there are times and places for that, I am not here to um, disparage that at all. What I like to do most is to invite people to come alongside and travel the way I like to travel, which is the very scientific uh, term I've coined, laid back adventure. Mm. Um, <laughs> I like it. And so, yeah, yeah. So laid back, meaning I am not fancy. I am not here to be fancy. We are not going to be dressy. We are not going to wow you with three-star Michelin fine dining experiences, although we will have a couple of, I think the one of the restaurants we are going to has at least one Michelin star. I forget what. So we are doing some fun stuff, but we're doing it in a laid back way. So this isn't a hoity-toity kind of trip. Um, It's fine if you're hoity-toity, just you won't expect, you shouldn't come to the trip expecting a hoity-toity leader or leaders at all. And then adventure, I don't necessarily mean cliff jumping or base jumping or jumping. Jumping <laughs> of any sort. Yeah. Um, no crazy nightclub experiences, no private islands full of, you know, all sorts of who knows what. <laughs> yeah. Um, adventure meaning taking a step out of the hotel room and being willing to try new things. So I'm asking people that sign up for this trip to be willing to try new things, to be willing to do things a little differently than perhaps what they're used to. Um, That tends to involve quite a bit of walking because it's Europe and what we do, man, does that's what you do. Um, It involves a lot of perhaps trying of, you know, a cheese you have not heard of it might look like having to stand in a line that is not, um, you know, as short as you would like. Um, So an adventurous posture means being willing to try things that you otherwise wouldn't. So a laid back adventurous spirit is what I bring to the table. Nothing life changing in the sense of like, you can't find that from anyone else, but life changing in the sense of if you go to these new places with that mindset, then you go as a a traveler who wants to learn and not to conquer. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to learn what does it mean to live a more beautiful life? I think we can learn that from the Italians we'll meet along the way. I think we can learn that from Michelangelo as we look at his work. I think we can learn that from each other, you know, when we're sitting across the table over pasta and who knows what else. Um, So we're here to learn from Italy and all it has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I know that you've done well in the past, whether it was your literary London trip or whether it was the trip that you did with your family or uh, whether it was the trip that we did in 2014. I mean, I think one of the things that you bring to the table is an openness to the spiritually curious. And and I think, you know, this is that kind of trip where you may not be 
of the same faith as we are. You may be listening here and you may say, I'm not even a Christian. I barely believe in anything Jesus-y. That's cool. We we are not leading a trip for the Jesus-y people. Um, right. You know, it may be that you say, well, I am very, very Jesus-y and you're Catholic. And so we're very, di- no, this is not what this, this is a trip about spiritual curiosity and about going and seeing how we've interpreted and how we've used beauty to point to the transcendent along the way. And I think a lot of us will maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, interpret that differently, but it's a place where I think Italy in particular is a place where I think if the spiritually curious go and open their hearts and their minds, they will have an experience with the transcendent. That's what I love about it. Yeah. And I think there are a handful of places in the world like that, you know, last, um, week I was in Washington DC and I was sort of uh, walking around and, and, you know, I, I described it to somebody last week as, you know, you don't have walls and ceilings outside, but if you did, they would be dripping with grease in Washington DC. It's just that kind of town. Um, it doesn't feel a spiritually transcendent. It doesn't feel like a thin place where you can, can go and find uh, really anything spiritual. <laughs> There's a lot of politics and power, but um, but I made my way outside of the town and I found a beautiful church. Um, it was a, a, a massive church. It's, it's on the American Catholic. I guess it's American Catholic University. Um, so it was it was uh-huh. on that it was on that campus. And when I walked in and just saw the dis- different representations of the saints and different representations of Mary and different representations of Christ and the the beauty, the art, it was one of those uh, places of refuge. You know, you kind of sort of get away and feel like, okay, I can breathe again. Like this isn't greasy. This isn't nasty and dirty. And for me, that sort of like refuge that I experienced there in that church is very similar to how I experienced the entirety of Italy. It is one mm-hmm. of those spaces in the world that is just kind of a refuge. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, Rome is one of the crazier cities out there. <laughs> it's got traffic and and people who talk loud and and all sorts of things. And yet there is some weird way it feels like a refuge and it's hard to put your finger on it other than there's something transcendent and divine that has happened there, possibly, probably because of its history. And all that's happened there. Yeah. So yeah. And and listen, there's like there's there's plenty of grease there too. I'm sure. I mean, we, I remember we were walking by. Uh, I can't remember what. Maybe it was the square where the David used to be mm. sort of displayed. We kind of walked down the side street, and the tourist was like, "Yeah, if, 25 years ago, right here was a mafia car bombing. Um, that was a big deal." And so I mean, listen, it's people are people, and humanity exists everywhere you go, and there's plenty of grodiness everywhere. But um, I think on par, my experience was, was this is a thin place. It's a transcendent place. Oh, 100% for sure. There is something that is indescribable about Italy. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes the the schedule of what we're going to do. So I don't necessarily feel the need to do a play-by-play of every single hour. But I thought it would be fun to just talk about a few of the highlights of what we're going to do. Because we are doing a few things that are new, even new to me, along with doing some of the favorites that you and I have done together with our spouses. And um, we can attest to how worth it they are. Um, We are going to start in Rome. Have you been to Rome? I've never been to Rome and I'm so excited. Okay, cool. 
So we're starting in Rome and we are going to be doing the usual, the foods. Oh, you know what? I will say that this is important because I love, for the most part, I love our itinerary because it's reminiscent a little bit of what I do when I lead Literary London in that we've got some group things to do, but we also have time on your own peppered generously throughout. Huge. So this is hugely important. So this is not that trip where Seth and I are holding up the flags and asking you to step over here and then come here and then here. If you want to spend 10 more seconds looking at that painting, sorry, you got to move on. It's not that at all. Um, There's plenty of free time built in. So I'm going to just say that ahead of time. So we start off in Rome and we're going to have some meals together, but we're also going to have, and we're going to have some touring of places together somewhat for practical reasons, because it's easier to do it as a group in terms of scheduling for when you get to go in, but also have meals where you just get to decide on your own where you go. And that's one of the great joys of Italy. We're going to go to the Vatican as part of Rome, which probably most listeners know, but the Vatican is its own country, but it's tucked right into Rome. So we're going to go to the Vatican Museum, St. Peter's Basilica, which in uh, Sistine Chapel include is included in the Vatican Museum, the Scavi Tunnels underneath the Vatican. And then we're going to go to the Colosseum and the Roman Forum and Circus Maximus. So a lot of history, really and truly, the places that are on an Italian postcard, mm-hmm. we're going to go to. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I like doing that right away. I have learned that there is a cadence that is most life-giving to travel. And it sometimes frequently includes starting off quickly and then slowing down yeah, so that we can both get over jet lag as quickly as possible and also tap into that adrenaline rush we have at first, which is, you know, from the excitement of being there. And then as we slow down and realize how much there is to soak in, we've checked some of those boxes so that we can actually reflect and appreciate some of it. So that's how we're doing it. Because then after that, there is a chance we're going to attend a papal audience that it is on the calendar. And we are scheduled to go. It just, apparently, the Pope can change his mind at the last minute about where he goes. I mean, it's kind of fair. It's fair. He has plenty to do. Um, But it's on the schedule, um, followed by the catacombs. And then we head out of Rome and we go to uh, the Benedictine Monastery of St. Scholastica, who is uh, St. Benedict's sister. Mm -hmm. And we're going to basically it's one of the only surviving monasteries founded by the Benedictines, like the OG in the Middle Ages. The OBs. OBs, that's right. The OBs. And it's still a working monastery. They grow produce. They have amazing food. We get to taste what it is they grow. Um, We get to see the caves that some of these saints lived in. And um, then we head out to Tuscany. And this is probably more familiar territory. Have you been to Assisi? I can't remember. I have not. We did not get to go to Assisi when we were there. Um, okay. And I can't remember why. I think we chose to go to Siena instead. Right. Which we'll get to do oh as well. Oh, my goodness. So, Siena. My favorite. I, it's my favorite town in the world. It's a phenomenal town. Yeah. So on the way to Siena, we're going to um, stop in uh, Assisi, which is part of Umbria. And we get to see St. Frank's Cathedral, as well as St. Clair mm-hmm. of Assisi's church. Um, there's there's some amazing cathedrals and basilicas in this little, tiny little town. It's such a cool town. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to stay in a villa. So this is a villa that's basically tucked in the countryside, and we're going to be here for most of the rest of the trip. And some of the thought process around parking, too, was just the idea that, like, if there's a day that you want to create or paint or write or sculpt or do whatever it is that you want to do, 
Um, and, and, and you don't want to take the day trip so that you can tend to your creative uh, efforts and nurse your creativity, man. Like that is what Italy is for. Yeah. This villa in particular looks right up that alley where all our food will be there. Um, I think there's a pool there. So people, if they just need a day of rest where they just want to enjoy the beauty of Italy, they can. And so I'm really looking forward to this posture we are taking on exploring Italy because the next day we are going to Siena, which is just a bonkers town, yes, as you know. Totally. After that... We then head on to wine tasting in Tuscany, which I am assuming is optional for those of you who are not into wine. It's totally fine. But if you're into wine, it's a pretty darn cool place in the world to do some wine tasting. Um, Tuscany's kind of known for it, you know. And then in that evening, we're going to a little village that I have never been to, uh, San Gimignano. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but they say it's the epitome of a Tuscan hilltop town. It's got 14 medieval towers and lots of piazzas and it's got good coffee and good food. So sounds about right to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then from there, from there, we're heading to Florence and I know you've been to Florence. Oh so. man. Such a cool town. Yeah. Such a cool town. Such amazing galleries. I mean, just mm -hmm. that's going to be a blast. It is. Yeah. So we're going to go, you know, see the Ponte Vecchio, the Duomo for sure. Um, the Mercado, which is pretty much a farmer's market on steroids, I think is what you could yeah, call it. Right. And then, yeah. And time on your own. So if you want to go to the Medici Chapel and learn all about the bonkers history of the town to see Michelangelo's David at the Academia, the Uffizi Gallery, whatever, we're going to end with Mass. Mass will be celebrated with us or for us by a priest that we are hoping can come along with us for some spiritual direction. Um, and then the final day is a day on your own. Like spend how you will at your leisure in Florence, because I think that is what we all crave when we're on a trip with a lot of people. Um, we'll have plenty of gelato. I know we probably ate gelato at least once a day on average. I remember having gelato three times a day. I think we actually had it four or five times. I think I remember that It was that ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we'll have plenty of that. We'll have plenty of moment, hidden pocket moments in between all of what I just said. Um, because the trip will not go as planned because that's what travel is, right? And we will. Um, experience it together and see what it's like. Um, so to talk about the who, just a tiny bit, you already alluded to it, and I really am glad you did. We we are pro-families. We are pro-couples. We're pro-friends. Um, we want you to go with a, with a posture of learning, is what I would say. Learning and curiosity. Um, if you're hearing all this and you're thinking, well, that sounds great, but I don't prescribe to your worldview, that's okay. We just ask you to have a learner's posture and be curious. Yeah. Yeah. Learning and curiosity. And I think that's to me, to me, that was the thing that made it so eye opening when I, I went is I don't know that I had any expectations. I think the only expectation I had is that I would write a little bit while I was there. But outside of that, I don't know that I had any expectations. And I think because of that, uh, just the openness, the curiosity, um, the sort of take it as we, as we did, you know, take it as it came sort of mentality, it made it such a better trip. Years ago, it would have been 2007, uh, 2007, 2008. It was over the New Year's. I went to um, visit a friend in Mozambique. And when we got mm -hmm. in Mozambique, uh, my friend said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. You tell me. How should we experience Mozambique? And he said, let's just live life. Like, no, no agenda, no pressure. 
Some days we'll go out to the farm. Some days we'll go into the town. We're just going to live a normal day in the life. You're here for a week. Let's just hang out and 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 take life as it comes. And it it really changed the way I view travel. Um, mm. And it even changes the way I view travel with an itinerary. So even if I'm on an itinerary, I'm still going to kind of do me, keeping right. my eyes open for what is transcendent here? Like what speaks to me? What makes me more curious? What uh, mm-hmm. sparks an interest in in me? And I think those are the kind of people that we're sort of looking for. Like if that's you and you yeah. want to come along, come along, man. If you want a regimented, uh, hardcore, uh, you know, a pilgrimage where it's super spiritual the whole time and all, that's fine. We probably aren't your people. I would say the other way you might be disappointed in this trip is if you expect um, brilliant thought leader mic drops from you or me or your wife, because I can't think of three people less like internet thought leaders than perhaps the three of us. Yep. Well, I will put in the show notes all the things you need to know. Like I said, we're going with a company who's great, which means not only do you and I get to just be there with the with our, you know, pilgrims and enjoy the experience. It also means a lot of the logistics, if you're curious, will be answered by other people as well as um, kind, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but basically you might be concerned because uh, we're in a little pandemic right now. Um, what might it look like in 2022? And while none of us are in the future, it is um, a blessing that we are going with a group that does this all the time, mm-hmm. is doing this all the time as we speak, and knows what they're doing. So they lead, I forget how many trips a year, all over the world, including Europe. And so they will be, we're in good hands, in other words. Yeah. Um, the this, the, this little um, roadblock of our um, global pandemic will be, I don't want to say taken care of, like it won't be a problem, but um, yeah, they'll answer your questions if you got them. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Love it. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, Seth, as we end all our little chats, I want to know from you, what is something you're reading, watching, or listening to that is adding more beauty to your life? Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in the vein of uh, beauty and observing beauty, there's an amazing book that I read last year, and I actually had to return to it this last week. I had to actually thumb through it for a project that I'm working on. Um, it's by, I think, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Erling Kagge, K-A-G-G-E, <laughs> not American. So who knows how you actually pronounce it? I don't really know. It sounds Dutch, Dutchish. So if we have any yeah. Dutch folks out there know how to you know pr- pronounce that, just please let me know. Um, but it is a book called Silence in the Age of Noise. And it Ooh. is such a beautiful book. I bought this book on a whim because I happened to be at the bookstore mm. and the cover was so beautiful that I just thought I have to read it. Whatever's in this has got to be good. So I picked mm. it up and I read it 100% based on the cover and I've become a complete fanboy. Really? There's, it's, there's a little bit of name dropping in it, which anytime I read nonfiction and there's name dropping, I really side eye and hard eye yeah. roll things. Um, so there's a little bit of that. But also the dude is explored friggin' everywhere. So I guess <laughs> when you're that guy, if you want to name drop a little bit, it's kind of cool. Um, sure. But anyway, he just explores what it feels like uh, or, or or the experience of being in some of these remote places and experiencing 
silence, particularly in an age where there is so much, so, so much noise all the time, all the way around us, you know, whether it's social media noise or the noise of the television or a podcast that we happen to be on or whatever. Um, just so much noise, so much noise. Mm-hmm. But let me read a quote to you because uh, I love just the style of his writing. He writes, the starry sky is the truest friend in life when you first become acquainted. It is ever there. It gives ever peace, ever reminds you that your restlessness, your doubt, your pains are passing trivialities. I love it. It's just like philosophy of silence dropped and sprinkled all throughout these books, all, all this book. And, and the, the entries are really short. It, it's kind of one of the oh. things that sort of inspired um, to some degree, the book of waking up, you, you know, in the book of waking mm-hmm. up, I, I lay it out in these little short passages um, that build one upon another. He doesn't quite build the same way one upon the other. It's not building a, an argument, but, um, but it, they are these little shorter passages and it's, it's an amazing little book. So I highly recommend it. Silence in the Age of Noise. Nice. And I love when books are laid out like that. I loved yours, um, that it was nice and short chapters, because that's a world we live in. But when you can say a lot with few words, to me, that means you're doing your job well. So i am got it in my shopping cart. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of, speaking of, Tess, do you remember the first book that we, yeah. you and I talked about? And I think we talked about it in Italy that was sort of laid out, that like caught us as it was. I mean, we've read books that were laid out this way, but it was the first one that like gripped us that was laid out this way. Do you remember what it was? Mm-mm. All the light yes, we yes, cannot yes, see. Yes, 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 yep, 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 yep. I was going to say I know exactly what you're talking about because um, one of the books I would recommend people that go to Italy with us is by the same author, Anthony Doerr, and that's uh, Four Seasons in Rome, that's which right. I don't know if you've read that's yet. A, but it's yeah. beautiful. And did you know he has another book coming same out? Idea. Nah, yeah, perfect. I love it. it. We all must okay. pre-order it. Go pre-order Anthony Doerr's new nice. book. That's right. Oh, man, that's cool. Yep. Good so anyway, to that end... Tish, yeah. What are you reading, <laughs> listening to, watching, t- watching, cooking, eating, experiencing mm-hmm. that is bringing more truth, beauty, or goodness to your life? Well, as you know, um, here in Texas, September is a tease because it sounds like it should be fall, and it's decidedly not even remotely. So a year ago, I found this playlist. It was a, it was last September. I remember this on Spotify. I have no idea who Hannah Cody is, but she made this po- playlist, and it's called "It's Not Fall, Folks." Um, and her description of this playlist simply says, "It may not feel like fall on the outside, but we're trying to make it so on the inside." And I thought, I know what she means. (laughs) So uh, I started playing it and it was like, you know what? You're right. All these songs are fall. I'm willing it to come through this music. So I dusted it off again this past weekend in an effort to will fall weather to show up. Um, And it's just great. It's just a classic, um, good playlist of song, you know, Radical Face, who I've talked about before, who I love, Sufjan. Mm Gregory Allen Isakoff, Taylor Swift, um, Ben Howard, just good singer-songwriters, Penny and Sparrow, Phoebe Bridgers. Um, it's just great. And then I'm going to pair it. I don't normally talk about anything else besides reading, watching, listening to you, but I'm taking a cue from you because you did this recently. Um, <laughs> I like candles, and there's a candle um, that I just lit this morning called Stockbridge. And it's from Laurel Mercantile. If you've seen the show Hometown, it's that company in Laurel, Mississippi. I got a candle from them and it just smells like fall. It smells like Amber, not your wife, but the, (laughs) that was going to be really weird. 
<laughs> it's an Amber Haynes scented candle. Mm-hmm. Um, amber and I don't know, pumpkin, whatever it is they put in candles that make it smell like fall. It's like that. So the combo of those is making it feel a little bit like fall, even though the AC is blasting and I had to turn on the fan earlier. So, so here's the question. I'm pretending. Here's the question that mm-hmm. I have. Have you gotten into Oktoberfests yet? Have you have you bought um, any Oktoberfest beers yet? <laughs> um, you mean this year or in general? This year. Mm, not this year. Kyle's the one that does that. And he um he was talking about it actually this weekend saying, I need he's kind of one of the weirdos that likes pumpkin in his fall beer, but it has to be done really well. I say weird. It's not weird. Um he's just very particular and he has found a smattering that are great. Um, and so he's been talking about going to Trader Joe's or wherever to get that beer, but not yet. But it just it Have you? Well, I guess no, you haven't. I have but. not. But it feels weird <laughs> to me when I look out at the supermarket or whatever and I see pumpkin ales and Oktoberfests already out. And I'm like, man, it's 91 degrees outside in Arkansas. How in the world? It's not. I mean, like, I know. you have to buy it and save it for a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 not time yet for the fall food and drink. It I don't think not. I heard that Starbucks moved up its fall drinks to like mid-August this year. And I just thought that's bonkers. It's I don't stupid. even understand what you're trying to it's do. It's stupid. Right. It's stu- I'm, listen, so. we are not sponsored by Starbucks. <laughs> if they ever wanted to sponsor us, we would take it. We love Starbucks. I drink crappy Starbucks <laughs> coffee from time to time. But Starbucks, listen up, man. You got to stop. You, it's talking about truth, beauty, and goodness. There's nothing true about pumpkin it, it spice lattes in August. No. False. It makes no sense. False. Yeah. Entirely. Mm. We're going to get plenty of it over the next few months. So that's that's where I've been. My solace this year, I've been better this year than I have any other year at just embracing the season I'm in, even if it feels like scorched earth. That doesn't mean that once September rolls around, I'm not eagerly anticipating fall. And there are just enough hints of it. Like it's the temp is dropping like five, 10 degrees in the morning. And so you can tell it's on its way. It's just not here yet. So I'm just preparing for it. As well but does. not yeah, just not cuisinely yet, only in music and candles, I guess. Anyway, yeah. Love it. All right. Well, it is time to wrap this up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drinkwithafriend.com. And if you like the show and what we're doing here, help keep it going by picking up the next round of drinks. As I've said many times, the show is free for you to listen to, but not free for us to make. So at the cost of a cup of coffee or a pint, you can play a big part. Find the link to do this in the show notes of this episode or at adrinkwithafriend.com. And thank you so, so much in advance. You can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.com. You can also find me on Instagram at sethhaines, which I always just tell people, like, just go follow me. I'm not creating anything for the month of September. I'm taking that little breaky break. But come follow me there. It's fun. There you go. We're fun. There you go. <laughs> and if you want more info about Italy, check the show notes of this episode because I've got all the links there for you. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod and editing is by Kyle Oxenrider. I'm Tish Oxenrider with Seth Haynes and we will be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.